Graves. Welcome back to another Get Mad with Graves. I'm yours truly. I just screwed that all up too. I have a very special guest today, Mr. Len Osanic, a JFK researcher and Black Ops radio host. Hello, Len. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Good. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's it's uh, it's an honor because uh, I've been listening to you for a very long time um, and reading uh, all the, your work and everything, especially with the uh, the late great L. Fletcher Prouty. Um, for those who are not familiar, how did you get introduced to the the JFK assassination? Well, um, briefly. You know, I was just young enough to see specials on TV about it, and so every time I, I saw a TV show, they'd say, oh, we're going to reveal what really happened, and you'd watch a show, and then you just, far too often, at the end of the show, well, we really don't know any more than we had, right? So um, I, I just kept thinking, well, I wonder what happened, you know, because everybody's talking about it, and nobody's really uh, figured it out. So I started collecting... Um, like Dave Emery and, you know, audio shows were on cassette back then. And friends of mine would hear somebody lecture in L.A. or mail me a cassette or something, you know, uh, Peter Dale Scott or, um, uh, you know, whoever. Uh, and um, I just started listening and I and I started just thinking, geez, there's an awful lot that we can know. And, and the more you look into it, the more you realize that um, the official report was completely wrong, which then if you have any curiosity, you go, okay, uh, well, what happened then? And I just started started on that that road of curiosity of I wonder what really happened. Um, yeah, that that that's the same with me. Uh, I, like I go back to I actually would would have to say that the JFK assassination, the the thing that got me hooked, and it's something that's kind of been debunked. Uh, not kind of, it's been debunked. But Bill Cooper's famous. Uh, you know, the driver, William Greer shot Kennedy thing. That's kind of when my radar, you know, when the whole JFK assassination and the idea that there was something else going on there was yeah. probably around the mid-90s for me. Well, you know, in, in fairness, that was a copy of a VHS tape from a copy of a VHS, and that's how we got information. So when you copy a tape ten times, when somebody sees that and they see that the glint of light and think you go, oh, my God. That's it. The, the driver turned around and shot him. Yeah, so, he's got a pistol you know, in his hand when it's really right. uh, Roy Kellerman's hair, like the grease in his hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so the good thing is that I think um, someone with an honest interest will, you know, research and then finally find a better version of it. And you go, oh, well, that, that story wasn't right, you know. It's a similar thing with uh, somebody says that the George Bush is in front of the Dallas uh, – School book depository there, right? And then you oh, finally yeah. see a, a good picture of that guy, and you go, "Oh, it's not George Bush, right?" But <laughs> so it's, you, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, people say the same thing about a, a photo of Lee Oswald in the doorway. Is that him or not? Or is it uh, Billy or Lovelady? Billy Lovelady. You know? Yeah. And then you know, you can have a, a debate, and if you don't, if you're not tied to a position, like I've said, you know, it looks like Oswald. Sure does. I'm I'm really not sure though, because there's to me, uh, you know, convinced me either way. But it sure looks like him, but I don't think it is. And, you know, I leave it at that. I mean, yeah. one of my favorite quotes was from John Judge. When when people are investigating what happened at Dealey Plaza, somebody's asked him, he said, where did the gunshots come from? And he said, they came from Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Good>. And true. <laughs> so wow. there you go. And yeah. then at arm's length, the people don't know too much about it. And they ask me, you know, who killed Kennedy. And I say, well, you know what? His enemies did. You know, they, they lined up to, to organize removing him. So why don't you study who his enemies were? Yeah, and then, and then that, uh, I would do the same thing and then I'd have the collective grunts like, oh, come on. <laughs> like they want, they want answers and it's like, well, it, it's <laughs> a little more complex than that. <laughs> yeah. Or if somebody's being a little, um, obstinate with me like that, they say, who did it? Okay. Then I just go, okay, General Ed Lansdale, he did it. And they go, what? Yeah. Picture him in Dealey Plaza. Study what he did for a living. And then they go, well, who's Ed Lansdale? You know, and I go, oh, okay, you got to research. You got to look it up and get into it, right? I can't. If you say McGeorge Bundy, and they'll be like, Al yeah. Bundy, what? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
so all right well that's that's uh that's great i i have the same position as you do especially with the love lady oswald uh, photo i i really don't i don't know and i don't claim to know um and same with the george bush photo actually that i'll have to um i'll have to say uh when that I actually bought into that for quite a few years, thinking that it was definitely George H.W. Bush. And Mr. Ocelli, Chuck Ocelli, showed me the other photo, I think, that you were referring to. And that's not George H.W. Bush at all with yeah. the other photo. So well, I every view is like a side profile in, in which it does look like him. And then when you finally see him looking the other way, you go, oh, it's not him. And, and yeah. I think that's... Um, uh, you know, some of the researchers that I look up to, or, or at least get along with, right, um, they, they've done that. They've said, oh, I was an error about the small fact. But, you know, you know, just, um, move forward and, and continue to learn. Don't be uh, stuck in one position. So, photographic evidence. Fluid. Yeah. yeah, you gotta be yeah. fluid with what the new knowledge that you obtain. You know, it's called learning and other people go, oh, you're a flip-flopper. Like no. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I never <laughs> yeah. do. No, no. Ne- never be afraid to uh, to be corrected. You know, just uh, like like for instance. Um, well, I won't get into too many things, but there's all this debate on the limo. Like, the, the, did the limousine stop? Did it stop or not? And you know, so, yeah, well, yeah. the the Zapruder film doesn't show that. Then you go, well, the Zapruder film's been tampered with. And you go, well, okay. To what degree then? You know, there's guys. Um, that we probably both know that claimed that it stopped for like 30 seconds. There was all this, you know, and yeah, so I've heard it. I've thing. heard it stopped, and then people actually got out and walked around. I heard all kinds of weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. And that's what happens when um, you just ask, you know, ten people, "What do you think happened?" and you get ten different answers. So, um, uh, but you know, nobody knows for sure. But we, exactly. I think, we agree that the official story is not true. And if it's not true to that degree, what are they hiding? Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, you you bring up a very, very good point that actually leads me to one of the questions I was going to ask you. Um, One of the most mystifying thing aspects, and, you know, the other JFK researchers or just uh, researchers in general have told me that, you know, it's much ado about nothing, but you did a uh, an interview with Rich Della Rosa in two thousand yeah. in I believe two thousand eight two thousand nine. Um, actually, I think it was uh, Jim Fetzer that was filling in for you, but it had all to do with this idea that there was another Zapruder film or another film from his vantage point. And I've been fascinated with that for years. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. Because there's been other people, like there was a French researcher that his name escapes me right now, uh, that claimed he saw this other film as well. And Greg Burnham, um, he he's made the same claim. What are your thoughts on the idea that there was another Zapruder film, or like I said, another film from his vantage point? Well, so first of all, Rich Delarosa's passed away. So that's one reason that we can't um, debate that further. Um, I know that um, another researcher, Jim DiEugenio, he always uses the word agnostic. He's, you know, just uh, photographic evidence. He, he, you know, even with the Zapruder film that we see now, people yeah. aren't sure if you can trust it, how many frames of it. There seems to be some coloration of, of the back wound of Kennedy's head. has been colored in maybe with... Uh, you know, either a felt pen or a floating mat and some, you know, and so yeah. you don't know what to trust. My feeling is, um, that I'm just very neutral on this point. I don't, I don't subscribe to it, but I don't, I, I wouldn't go out and just say it's phony. I, I haven't seen it. Um, just know, the great. idea, just the idea that there could have been another one. Uh, like I don't know. I know it's a lot of speculation. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Oh no, no, it's okay. I'm just saying that you know it's, a, it's too hard to answer in a way, right? Oh, I because, know. Yeah, no, just a lot of the details. They seem to mirror each other, and I'm taking these folks uh, at 
face value that they never knew each other beforehand and the idea that they would show this on college campuses or movie theaters in new york city it's it's like fascinating i don't know if it's really like i said well i didn't hear that i think between rich and greg burnham they both said they saw it privately i think uh if i recall at some you know uh, a religious university somebody had a copy of it but i mean you know even even so so in one way i don't there are some things that end up being folklore, and then there's other things that I said, well, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but, uh, you know, if this was some kind of, you know, military operation and, and something, I wouldn't doubt that there was other people filming it. They had something, you know, I think it happened in the Martin Luther King assassination where on top of the fire hall, another group of army intelligence set up cameras and they were filming, you know, they – so, I had heard that too, but I, I yeah. have, you know, until you said that, I haven't heard anyone else talk about that. Well, William Pepper has because it's uh, detailed in his book, and I have far more confidence in those st- in those um, stories of the the second uh, other filming of the assassination. Now, I'm just trying to be polite and saying I have no reason to doubt Rich yeah. or Greg, but. I don't really subscribe to because I never saw it, and it's it's only two people out of all of America. But you know that I mean, it's just hard to say. So I just have to leave it there floating that um, I've heard about it, and it's like all these. There's there's several things in the case about you know people an imposter of Lee Oswald, somebody acting as him somewhere oh, yeah. you know, at a rifle range or at a, a car dealership. You know, uh, did it happen? Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but. Um, you know, kind of like no, the other arrest behind the movie theater uh, that people claim to have seen that when Lee Harvey was being brought out the front. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, that's a good analogy there because you go, wow, if that's true, what does that mean? You know, it's not just uh, like you're saying about someone seeing uh, a different film of the assassination, like not yeah. from not from uh, Zapruder's camera, evidently. Um but I had, th- I had had thought thought about that as well. Like, if it was a military operation, you would want to get all kinds of you would you would have cameras everywhere. You just look to know where you you may well, have screwed up, or like to the cleanup crew, or even to train people in the future in a way. Yeah, that's that's what I had heard also. Um, you know, I think that there's um, evidence that at the airfield. Where they landed, or at the uh, at the reception, that would have been another place for for an assassination attempt, not just. Well, my, Len, Len, you're 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 uh, reading my mind in my notes right now. Oh, <laughs> because okay. I was going to ask you because I was reading some of the some uh, older articles. From, um, uh, his name is, escapes me as well right now, but he, uh, he put out a newsletter. Uh, my friend Donald Jeffries is going to kill me, but. Penn Jones yeah. Jr.? No, no, not him. Um, uh, Pe- yeah, Penn Jones. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Mir. Yeah, there was an article referred to uh, other uh, backup team at the Trademark and at Love Field. The continuing yeah. inquiry was uh, Penn Jones' newsletter, Chris. Thank you, Chuck. No, it's for some reason I had a major, major brain block right there. But yeah, yeah, Penn Jones Jr., and have you have you come across other things besides what I just mentioned about the other um, possible shooting teams? Uh, no, no, nothing. But I, I did read with interest that um, someone had called, I think, um, uh, the Oswald House and Ruth Payne answered, and they were offering Lee a job at the uh, at the airfield at. Uh, you know, as like a luggage handler uh, there in one of the hangars. I forget the name of the company, whatever. They, they were offering, and she said, no, he's already got a job. It's going to be at the sixth you know, floor book depository, right? right? And I thought, well, what a coincidence that would be if he was working at the airfield. Kennedy left. Quick stop for gas. Next up, tailgate. I can't wait to start grilling all the stuff we just bought at Hannaford. Can't wait to fire up these teriyaki marinated steak tips. And this fresh salmon. Surfing turf! Hey, do you know if we earn rewards on their store brand meat and seafood? Great question, bro. We're ready to 
fill you up. Earn rewards on all Hannaford store brand meat and seafood. Yeah. Nice. It's simple to save with my Hannaford rewards. And he gets off and he's shot there and then there's a rifle there and they blame Lee right there. You know, that's just, just, uh, you know, speculation. Just speculation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, for all we know, they could have given that the job at Love Field to Thomas Arthur Valley. Right, right, that kind of thing, yeah. Right. Okay, well, anyway, moving on. Um, how, okay, for those also not aware, how were you introduced to Colonel L. Fletcher Prouty? Uh, well, I heard a groundbreaking interview on cassette tape. Somebody mailed me, uh, with David Radcliffe interviewing him. Uh, I think it's 1989. And so this is around 1990. I got it, 91. Just, you know, before the, the JFK movie came out. And uh, there was how many were there? Seven, I think there's seven ninety-minute cassettes. Anyway, there was quite a few cassettes. It's really it's an interview over three days. It's groundbreaking. And here was somebody matter-of-factly talking about how the Pentagon worked, how the Department of Defense worked, and at arm's length, you know, how the world worked, you know. And but the I, geo- I, geopolitics of it all. Yeah, yeah. and so. Me working in, I work in a recording studio and, uh, I'd be listening to music straight 12 hour days, so on my drive home and that I'd always be listening to lectures or something different. Uh, and so when I, um, over a few months, I, I memorized those tapes. I just, I kept thinking, wow, this guy knows what happened. And, and if anybody, um, ever, um, oh, sorry, hang on a second. okay, so if anybody ever really knew what happened, I wonder what questions I would ask him. And I, and I, Remember thinking that, that, you know, I should write a letter to him. And it took me about six months to have it right because I thought, well, you know, everybody else is going to say, oh, what, you know, who did this or who killed Kennedy or something like that, right? Yeah. And uh, I thought, no, what I'll do is I will pen a letter together and it will be like, you know, the old wagon wheels. It will be like spokes of a wheel. And if the center is who killed Kennedy, if I ask the right questions around it, I won't have to ask who killed Kennedy. Now, well, what role could Alan Dulles have played? What role would Curtis have made? How how could they start a disinformation campaign? Again? You know, whatever those questions were, I forget them. But yeah, yeah, I sent him a letter, and um, uh, to my great, I don't know what the right word is, uh, I was just overjoyed that he read my letter. And then uh, he he wrote back to me saying, "Look, this is a really good letter. I'm going to take some time to answer it." So I even felt better about it, you know, that my Because you work, took the time to do something different than what yeah. everyone else was doing. Yeah. And and my letter it started off with look, I'm just an interested civilian. I don't work for the Department of Defense. I'm not in the military. I as a matter of fact, I work in a recording studio, I do music. But I just have these questions about um the assassination if you can answer them. And he really liked that. And by the way, it turned out that he used to be a singer in the big band era. So when I did get to meet him in that, um, he wanted to talk about music and bands and, you know, how do you guys tour now? And what it, But the thing was that he did answer the questions and then uh, it intrigued me. He answered 18 of the 20. He left two out. You know, he answered this question. They were all in order and he left them out. And that was <laughs> even more. I'm sitting there grinning. What the hell? So uh, the thing about that was I thought, well, I guess he doesn't really know me from Adam. So maybe... Maybe this is just a little too right on. So it took me about – well, I thanked him for the letter. We started exchanging um, correspondence, and then he gave me his fax number. He said, look, you don't have to – you know, just fax me a question, and I'll, I'll fax it back to you. But um, his wife and family didn't like the phone ringing, you know, at all hours and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah. it was a good thing. I would just type up fax questions to him. He would reply back with documents or whatever. And we had a good relationship until about four years, four years in, I hit him with a question that really, um, you know, he's, oh, now I know that you're really reading what I'm sending you. And then he started opening up to me after that. So we were at arm's length friendly for over about four years. So it was almost and, like he was vetting you almost. <laughs> well, I imagine, or you can't imagine how many other people would write to him or ask him this or that. And, you, and yeah. often... He would meet somebody at a, a neutral location. He said, so I can just get up and leave if I don't want to. So the first time I went out to 
to Alexandria to visit him. Uh, we were going to meet at the uh, uh, the National Press Club, and then the city was too busy. Uh, it was uh, it was like the day of the Million Man March, you know, and uh, so we went to this little restaurant, Joe Theismann's restaurant, and we had lunch there. And he got along with me and my friend Andy so well that he said, "Look, why don't you guys just come back to my place, right?" And uh, it it was just it was a thrill for me, and then an honor. And then we spent three or four hours there. And the good thing was that we had prepared for that meeting of Fletcher in person, like I had prepared for my uh, letter for him, which took me about six months to till I was finally happy with it before I sent it. Like that was one thing that I thought I probably only get one chance at this. Um, you don't want to screw it up, yeah. Yeah, so if if somebody really knew what happened, what would I ask him? You know, and um, you could take that in in some other topic. You know, like well, I'll just pull something out of thin air. You, if if somebody really knew what happened on nine eleven, what questions could you ask him to get a the real uh, a gain knowledge yeah. of how they would you know? And and then if you, if you thought, that, actually. yeah, so yeah. so that's that's kind of my story. How I met him, we became friends, and. Um, I think, I think we became friends because I just had an honest interest. I didn't really uh, care one way or the other who did anything. I just had an honest interest, and I wasn't in the military or anything. I was the furthest thing away from it, uh, working in a recording studio. And you had so, no real agenda either, like. Yeah, right. So if he told me that Bob McNamara did it and planned it all, I would have just said, "Oh, okay, great. Explain, you know, or whatever." And. <laughs> yeah. uh, um. You know, was one of your questions, if you don't mind me asking, was one of your initial questions, uh, did it have anything to do with the, the Christchurch Star article with, um, basically Lee Harvey Oswald's whole biography, like our, no, note? yeah, no, no, it didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, I, right. I could take it up somewhere and I just don't have it handy, but no. That would have been mine if I was in your position. That's why I was yeah. bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine, the questions were more of, well, what role would this group play or what role or, uh, you know, for instance, in overthrowing governments when they have a cover story prepared, you know, how how does this go? How, you know, how far back do they go to start preparing this and setting up a pad C, you know, yeah, like who, a legend, have, creating yeah, a legend. Right. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And the questions were like that. Like, how could this happen? So, for instance, you might have taken my letter and, and you could. Change it to nine eleven. To you know, how is it that they could prewire so many um, demolition and buildings? You know, because of, of, if you're going to look at Building Seven and say that foul, that's a controlled demolition. It doesn't matter if ISIS did it. I mean, you know, and then the fact that they didn't even really investigate it in the nine eleven commission. You, you, there's a lot of similarities in these. When you study the yes. JFK assassination, and then you see what the Warren Commission wrote, and you see, you know, dissent in in there. But they just rubber stamp it, or or people don't even show up for the hearings, and then uh, their name gets added <laughs> yeah. to it. So, so then when you see there's a 9/11 commission, I mean, the very first day or two, they were said they were going to have Henry Kissinger as the head of the commission. I mean, my job. Yeah, and the families, are, the families like confronted them and said, "Hey, we have uh, we have all these reasons why you shouldn't probably do this." Yeah. And he stepped down. But can down. you imagine? That's <laughs> what they would have done, you know. So, so if they had gotten away with it, right, yeah. uh, they would have had that guy, and uh, um, and that would have connected all the way back to the sixties and everything, yeah. <laughs> like officially. So, uh, how did you actually? How did you come about um, setting up? I believe it was you. I could be wrong. Uh, setting up Mr. Prouty's, um website and uh, continuing to have his work in the public after he passed away in two thousand one. Well, um. I just started it because nobody else was doing it. And that was one of the amazing things. As I started getting faxes from Fletcher that were, you know, quite in-depth and official documents. And, and one strange thing, which I've got to just knock on wood here that I haven't gotten in trouble for, is he started sending me all sorts of documents from the his days. And he was quite high up in the Department of Defense. I think he said yeah. he was like in the top 52 you know, he was giving briefings to the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the Gold Room. I mean, out of 35,000 people there, he he was like in the top 52. So, Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble either, Len. But, no, no, yeah. no, no. But, but I'll tell you one thing quickly, just that when he passed away, there was talk of, 
he has all the stuff. What are we going to do with it? And he, and it was offered to me. And I thought I'm going to have to rent like a cube van and then yeah. I'm going to have to drive across the border and I can just see them going through all this material and up against <laughs> yeah. the wall, you know? <laughs> they think you're, you're uh, like a drug smuggler, but no, it's JFK well, Miles. <laughs> uh, uh, well, here's, uh, now I have to sidetrack a bit. He, he got in trouble one day, um, with the secretary taking a, a eyes only, ultra sensitive, top secret, whatever, taking a stamp and stamping, trying out the new stamp on, on a newspaper. And she stamped oh. all these things all over it. And then they threw it in the garbage. And later that night, somebody was going through the garbage and they saw that. So they called, uh, uh, security oh, wow. and, and they said, Fletcher, there's been a brief in your office. You got to get down here. And we got to get down here. Says, We've, we found top secret documents in the garbage. I mean, this, we have to report this. And he said, show them to me. He said, well, we're not even like, says, show them to me. So it's the New York Times. And he says, look it, this is just a newspaper. My secretary was trying out her stamp. And then when they called somebody else, they said, okay, right. Okay, good. But he kind of learned a lesson there. When he came back, he, he got rid of the stamps and he told his secretaries, look it, don't stamp anything in my office. Just, I'll know what it is. You just file it. Just, we're not stamping anything from now on. So then when he, he realized retired, about his trash too, <laughs> you know. No, but what I'm saying is he took a lot of things home then. So if he was ever stopped and, oh, let me see these papers. Okay. Nothing ultra sensitive, nothing eyes only, nothing top secret. Fine. You're okay. So he kept a lot of his material. So that's what I mean that in his files at home, he had lots of stuff that would be, uh, you know, ultra sensitive or higher. Right. You know, you know, and which kind of reminds me of what's in the news now a little bit, not really the same, but when they're talking about how Mike Pence and, you know, uh, these other people have sensitive documents that maybe they shouldn't have, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. They could have the schedule for a luncheon and that could be called top secret, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So now they mark everything secret, but, um, I guess what I'm saying is that, Fletcher had quite a lot of material and he was faxing me or sending me stuff and I, I got to the point where I got so much material I thought what am I going to do with this either teach a course in this or something and I thought you know what uh, that was around 1994 I think because when, yeah Windows 95 was just coming out and I had kind of built it for 95 I'd, I'd have said to pay him back I'll organize all this stuff and because he had written on a number of topics like World politics, trans- transportation, banking, even UFOs. Uh, yeah, well, he was just on one show, you know. He yeah, no, on, I just remember reading one of the articles from uh, yeah. the website, and I was like, "Oh wow, he even goes into this." Yeah, but but in a nutshell, I can tell you what it was. He said that he was very curious that in the Air Force that they had this, you know, Project Blue Book, and that that they ha- actually had um, an office that would inv- investigate unidentified flying objects and make reports and in detail, uh, you know, catalog everything. And he yeah. said it was kind of, I remember the quote what it was something like, well, they don't have that for uh, the abominable snowman or the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> but they have an office for UFOs. So they didn't take it lightly. Now, you could say, is it uh, China or Russia, you know, Soviet Union, it, uh, you know, is that what we're seeing? Other militaries have a, a new secret weapon we should know about. So even if it's unidentified, you don't know what it was, we have to report it. Yeah. I mean, one time I saw something take off, and it was gone in the blink of an eye. And I think it was I was near Seattle, and I think it was an SR-71, if I had to guess. But it was like, holy shit, there's something you look up. Hey, look. And before you can say, look at that, boom, it's oh, gone. Yeah. And, made no uh, noise, right? Made no right. noise. And, uh, well, no, I was, it was quite a way. I wouldn't have heard that. It wasn't like that. I've yeah. heard of these, uh, uh, out over Area 51 people have seen these triangular, uh, objects that go quite slow and don't make any noise, right? So. I saw that one in, uh, Massachusetts in 1998, made no noise, had blinking lights going off and on on the side yeah. of it, and then it took off in a blink like you just said. Yep. Yeah. So, um, sometimes people, have used things to uh, try to belittle Fletcher where they say, oh, he believes in UFOs or something like that. I just wanted to say that his actual 
you know. Oh yeah, articles. I wasn't pointing that out for that. I was. No, no, I know you weren't, but okay, I just wanted yeah. to mention that. Yeah, yeah. That he found of interest that there was a department in the Air Force that was strictly to study this, right? To study phenomena, um, and I think they were more worried that it was adversary. Bob Bados, here we come. Can't believe we're leaving our Jakey all by himself. Honey, he's 25. I think he'll be okay. I got him 17 Hannaford frozen pizzas. <laughs> That's all he eats. Wouldn't it be nice if we got, like, personalized coupons from Hannaford for all those? Would be a lot of savings. This in-flight entertainment is brought to you by Hannaford Rewards. Get personalized coupons based on your purchases. Hmm. See, honey, everything's going to be fine. It's simple to save with my Hannaford Rewards. With... With the, like spy, yeah, spy yeah. aircraft that you know was classified, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so anyway, so you, yeah, so you had the website going, and and it, it's still up, and it's uh, fantastic, in in my humble opinion. Um, when he passed away, um, and then nine eleven happened because I believe he passed away in two thousand one, right? Yeah. Did when nine eleven happened and that whole thing unfolded and it was kind of a lot of correlations with the JFK assassination like as the years would go on did you ever think back oh I wish I could have talked to uh, Fletcher about this this event <laughs> no uh, no yeah, not at all but yet um, I often get people writing me letters or I see a comment in the uh, notes or something people uh, often ask that right but uh, I think the question answers itself like you, you know what he he would have said. You got to look further into this. Something's not right here, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's just quickly my opinion. I never oh, yeah, thought. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. would have thought. I, in my mind, I was thinking like when the Northwoods document was unearthed, like in '98, with the assassination review board, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fletcher. Uh, it's hard to know what someone would think, especially if they're gone. But yeah, yeah look into this deeper, um, definitely. Um, but but yeah, so uh, move, uh, moving along, um, you had uh, Black Ops Radio, which was fantastic. Um, there's By the way, it's just I hate to correct you, but it's just Black Op Radio. Oh, Black Op Radio. I, I yeah. apologize. Yeah, no, I think the video games Black Black Ops Radio. Oh, the Tom Clancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but anyway, yeah. Uh, what what brought you to start that? And it was is fantastic. And I believe it, is it officially over, or is it a hiatus, or something that you'll go back to? No, on and on every Thursday since the year two thousand. Okay, well I stand corrected. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I remember listening uh, through YouTube. Could that have something to do with it, or are you still on YouTube? But I look like but a no, I don't. Guy. I don't no. post every show on YouTube. Uh, maybe every, one show out of a hundred. So if you go to blackopradio.com, it's there, and then it's also linked to every podcast player out there. So okay, I'm glad. Yeah, you but were. lately, I have been posting shows on Rumble because I've just been kind of pissed off at, at YouTube. YouTube. Um, I'll give you an example. I put. Some shows up on Black Op Radio, and they get a couple of thousand views, and they're a Fletcher Prouty or something else. Uh, and people talk about shadow banning, and I long suspected that Black Op Radio was, uh, you know, held back on views. I posted a, uh, an interview with Fletcher um, under just my last name, Osanic, and within two weeks, I think I had like a 100,000 views. I just couldn't believe it, how it just took off. So if I post something under Black Op Radio, you know, it doesn't really get seen. But um, so I started, I said, okay, to hell with YouTube. So I've just started posting things on Rumble. And I'll probably, you know, post, I think I have two or three on Rumble right now. Like when I interviewed Oliver Stone and Monica Wiesak and uh, I think somebody else. Um, so, yeah, from now on, you'll see more on Rumble. But BlackOpRadio.com is where you can go and, and get every show. And the last couple of years are generally free. And then I sell the shows $10 for a year. So you get 52 shows for $10. So if you want to go back and find the archive from 2005 and maybe find there's a couple of shows you really wanted to get, you get them direct download. You get 52 shows for $10. is pretty reasonable. And then that just helps with my server and, and bandwidth and things like that. 
Oh, no, I understand. I totally, totally get that. And I apologize. Uh, I thought that you had ended it a while ago. Uh, I think it, on my end, I think I just lost, uh, for a while there, I was listening every week. And then I think I just, I lost uh, connection with it. Uh, not connection in terms of uh, the material. Just, I, I, I don't know what happened there. They got to you. Somebody got to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but it's it's excellent, and I'm glad. To, it's good to know that uh, it's still up and running. Yeah. Um, has there been an, a guest that that is still alive that you've always wanted to get, but just for some reason or other you haven't been able to obtain yet? Um. Yeah, there there is one right now. Um, I'll tell you first was the the one that I really wanted to get for a long time was a guy named Lauren Singer, and he had written, um. Um, oh my God! I can't. Uh, what did the book have? The, to par- do? Uh, no, the, the par- Sorry, the name just came out. It's the Parallax View. You oh, know, the great okay. movie. And he yeah, had yeah. written the book for it. And I thought, oh, I got to find out. But I thought the Lauren was a woman. And I had been searching for about four years, where I finally found in New York or wherever it was, yeah. uh, uh, Lauren Singer, and, and that was a great one. Now, so someone's still living, as far as I know, that I've always wanted to talk to. Um, have you ever seen the movie Operation Swordfish? Uh, the, the, was it just called Swordfish? Or? Oh yeah, probably probably Swordfish. But yeah, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, John Travolta, that one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I have it. Yep. I think the writer is named Skip Woods, and I'm not sure if that's just a like a stage name. But I have been trying to find him, and I would love to interview him to talk about uh, some of the, you know, sometimes you write a book. And then by the time the movie gets made, you know, it's only about two-thirds of it in there. But there's yeah. some really interesting, uh, uh, I think, stories. And I'd like to know his insight about how he got information to write that book and script, you know. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for you. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it so, could be one of those stage names or writer's names or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so. But, I mean, I haven't pushed it uh, uh too far, um, but that's just on your your wish list. Basically. Yeah, that's on my wish list that yeah. that that I would really uh, like to interview. And then most of the time, I can find people. Most of the time, people have written a book or they're author, and they approach me. Now, I mean, I started in the year two thousand, so it's twenty twenty three. So it's good. It's like my twenty fourth season, right? So yeah. after, so, I mean, um, I think a milestone was my one thousandth show. I had really, it, COVID was in full swing and I was at home a lot, so, uh, I put together my 1000th show, was, which was a highlight of all the guests I had on. And that show was over, over six and a half hours. I think that's on YouTube or my Patreon page and, uh, I think where, that was right around the time that I got disconnected with, uh, with Black Op Radio. I think yeah. that because of the lockdowns and I think that's around the time because I really did enjoy it. Um, yeah. But like anyway, even, even congratulations. I mean, that's yeah. a couple of years later, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm 1130 now or something like that. But um with that show, I had found out that approximately 50 people had passed away, like you know, important guests that yeah. that I had had on, you know, you know, uh Was it because you know, of uh, if you don't want me asking, was it because of the the COVID thing or just in general? Like, no, no, just in general, like the oh, Mark planes. Okay. You know, um, John Judge. I mean, I'm just saying that, like, I've had, you know, yeah. uh, I never counted them, hundreds of guests. But you'd be surprised that when I went to do my 1,000th show and phone up people, say, would you like to come on? I'd like to have you on uh, for my 1,000th show. And then, you know, like, quite yeah. a few people have passed away. So that's kind of how long I've been doing <laughs> it, right? Well, I always wanted to get Polly Perrette, the actress uh, that made oh, a documentary on Mark. Yes. But she won't Believe respond. me. <laughs> Oh my God! I just tell you quickly, I, I, um, I had been trying to get her to as well. Oh, okay. And so I'm not she alone. kept turning me down, and then, um, I, I'm not sure exactly how this was, but I left a phone message with because somebody else. What's the name of the film again? Citizen Lane. Citizen Lane. Yeah. Right. Yep. So anyway, then after me, you know, you know. Waiting, okay, well, she's just not ready. No, not ready. It's going to be another week, and she's quitting her TV show. And after, and anyway, she there's a number of things. And then another film came out 
which was about, I forget, a pool player or something. And that guy's name was Lane. And they, their movie was called Citizen Lane. And I think they already had CitizenLane.com, you know, oh, or something wow. to that effect. And so I left a message with this fella, kind of ranting and raving. and said, what the hell's, you know? And uh, he phoned me back and he said, Lane, uh, I just wanted to know, were, were you drinking? Or did you write this? Or is this somebody else? Right? I just want to get to it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grinning. I said, no, I have to apologize. It was me. I was just mad at the moment. I was mad. I mean, I've been trying to help promote this film. I'm trying to get her off. And she's using every excuse to just not promote it. She doesn't want to. How can you make a film for four years and I then go, ah. Yeah. 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 So. Then, then, of course, my conspiratorial brain starts going, well, was this the whole reason that I may get to bury it? Like, I <laughs> you know, I'm coming up with science fiction scenarios in my head, and I'm like, she won't like do interviews about it. It was yeah. like you lived with them almost, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, well, she was a a, dis- a relative, right? I don't think she had any kind of relationship with them. I thought she was like a niece or something like that. Oh, well, that could be it. Well, I, well, well, regardless, then regardless, um, yeah, you know, um, she was yeah. So it was a good there, film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny. and there yeah. are um. It's the kind of thing that you would like to promote. You would like to get more people to watch it. And, exactly. you know, regardless of if you had a preconception about Mark Lane ahead of time, you know, it's just like any uh, documentary on HBO or something. Like, Here's a documentary on a guy. Here's a good documentary on Mark Lane, right? Yeah, yeah it's, not like it, it's not like it was salacious, like, oh, he was at Jonestown or like what some of his critics like to bring up. You know what I mean? Uh, it wasn't yeah. like that at all. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, everyone has a different theory. But it's funny you mention that name because that, yeah, I got in a little trouble over that. As you can tell, I'm laughing because. (laughs) Yeah, she won't get back to anybody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wild. But, uh, okay, well, just, just out of curiosity, has there been, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, and it's, it was stuff like that with speculation and things like uh, another Zapruder film and all that, this or that. You can't really prove. But has there been like a, a really, really weird aspect to the JFK assassination that maybe you haven't been able to tackle just because there's no way of really getting a definite answer, kind of like w- what we were talking about before, that has always been in the back of your mind that was just, just a flat out weird, like, I know a lot of stuff is weird, so it's a loaded question. I, I mean, something that's like... Well, I think I get the idea. Uh, yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, I would say no. And I'll I'll tell you in my my experience is that I didn't know... Too, oh, okay. I didn't know too much um, about about the real workings of the Department of Defense and the CIA and, and that. So when I started corresponding with Fletcher Prouty, I was, I felt like I was, you know, climbing Mount Everest. And here I was just started at the base camp and here's a guy being a guide and saying, well, here, this is how they do this. This is how things happen in another country. Here's how we did this. Here's how we handled, uh, the office of, uh, disinformation. And, and, you know, it's just, so I had learned so much more than I ever dreamed I would. That's what made me think to, well, how, how can I pay him back? I'll make the CD-ROM for him and I'll put all his stuff on it. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but, that's what happened around 95. I, I made a, the collected works of Colonel L. Fletcher Prouty on a CD-ROM and put all his articles, not just JFK stuff. I thought if anybody else wanted to know about Fletcher and the way that I had been able to uh, become friends with him and learn and about a lot of stuff, yeah, uh, I had put all this together on here. And it would tell about his time in banking. It was a speechwriter for Amtrak. You know, just all the different uh, aspects of his career – and photos and and pertinent interviews and I and I put on a disc and and then me and him started doing radio interviews and I was really surprised on the lack of knowledge on many of these things like a lot of people had seen the movie JFK they had heard that uh, Fletcher Prouty was the model for the Man X and they would like to talk to him so then he was on and I I firsthand felt the embarrassment kind of of people asking a question which they have you know, no idea about it. They have maybe they hadn't even seen the movie, and they had him on to talk about it. It was like appalling. <laughs> so, at my recording studio, at the same time, three women came in to do. They said we were going to do a radio show, but we want to do a few rehearsals. Can you mic us up, and we're just going to run through it before we go on to a big station? 
And when I saw how easy it was, um, in the beginning I thought, well, you know, I could stream this over the internet and you wouldn't even have to go to that station. At that time, the station was going to charge them a thousand dollars an hour to be on the weekend. And then they, they could sell advertising and keep the advertising money, but that's what they were going to get. And I said, well, why don't you just make a web page and put your show up? I think it was called Speaking of and, um, and then sell advertising and then just keep the money in, you know, so. So you were almost like a pioneer, like, uh. Oh, I was a pioneer. Nobody was doing that then. Wow. I, I can tell you how much of a pioneer I was. The first, the first episodes or two, now this like might not have been a black op radio, but it might be for that, uh, for the women's talk show was we had finally secured kind of like, um, uh, internet over voice over internet protocol type thing. It was like for taxi cab drivers. Do you know yeah. where, um, if, if the station's calling a cab, whatever, whoever's talking has preference and you can't interrupt them until they take their hand off, right? Yeah. And so they had, uh, but they had a safety built in that it wouldn't go for more than a minute. So the first show, whatever, I had a guy sitting beside me, he had to hit the enter button every 59 seconds to reset it. So it would keep sending. <laughs> and that was the first show. That might have been 19, 1999, you know, wow. 2000, and, and it wasn't called a podcast then. I just said, well, we're going to stream live on that night, and you cl- it had a button that said, click here for live stream, and that's how people got it. And then I thought, well, we might as well save the show, so I had an archive show section, which which now people call podcast, where they, they save it in a, quote, pod, right? But it's just a folder. And yeah, yeah. So, uh yeah, once we got that sorted out where we had, uh, I think through real media or something. Anyway, uh, yeah, we were, we were streaming live and we had all the shows archived. So you could log in on the Saturday or the Sunday, you know, or Monday and then click and listen to the show after the fact, just like it was, uh, so anyway, yeah, so I forget. No, but you were a pioneer. Yeah, no, of the yeah. internet radio phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the word podcast came around till no, that was like Ricky, that was Ricky, yeah, Ricky Gervais with his uh, his internet show, and he just called it a podcast. I think I think he was officially the first. Yeah, yeah officially. But anyway, I was live streaming. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting in an a, a audio engineering society had a, 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 a meeting in Vancouver, and um, somebody from from the CBC was there, and they were saying, "Oh, we're going to be giving out." Uh, internet broadcasting licenses and we're going to we're going to allow four this year and it's eighty thousand dollars each to apply for one and i remember being my friends looking at each other what is he talking about we're streaming live already we've been doing it for six months what do you mean fifty thousand dollars for a license and all that it's you know it's crazy paying us (laughs) we've been doing it already we just shut up we didn't say a word and it's like okay well we'll just keep doing but you know um also back then um there wasn't a big variety of shows either. So um, if you had an interest in the JFK assassination or Bobby Kennedy or even back then I had a co-host, um, Anita. She did health, you know, like vaccines or other things. We, we we did a lot of stuff that was not anything you would find on CNN or mainstream media. The, the, these are the shows. In fact, one big the one. Alt, the alt, uh, the alt yeah. press. <laughs> and one big one for me where our listenership really jumped up was when I had Jesse Ventura on. He was going to be um, on MSNBC, and his first show was, uh, I think, anti anti uh, American War nine eleven. Jesse Ventura's America. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what had happened was they offered him, I think, three million dollars for three seasons or something like that. And then the word came down; they were just taping the first one, and went, "Oh, we've just seen a list of guests you're going to have on. We don't want any part of this." And they said. <laughs> He said to them, well, you, we signed a contract and they go, yeah, we know, we'll pay you, don't worry, but you cannot go on any network in America and you can't, and it was like radio television. But at that time, um, my show Internet out of Canada was kind of worldwide and it wasn't pinned down to anything. And so he came on to talk about 9-11 and his, um, doubts oh, about Oh, so you were the loophole, so you were the loophole, uh, for when they bought yeah. his silence for three years. Yeah. Right, and I was the first one, and he was only too glad to talk to me about it, and he was glad that I wasn't in America, and he was, you know, that's kind of like when Howard Stern left for um, for satellite radio because he was tired of somebody that you you have to censor me this or every time you swear it's fifty thousand dollars or something. Yeah, the I just want to be on yeah. a free show. Tune <laughs> yeah. into my show if you want to, and if you have. So anyway, 
Um, no, I remember that when because around the time it, it was him on him and Phil Donahue were doing shows on MSNBC or they were supposed to, yeah. and they voiced their uh, opinion about the Iraq invasion that hadn't happened yet, I believe, and they got all those guys got really scared. And like you said, Jesse had a whole list of uh, very controversial people he wanted to have on. <laughs> yeah, and it was shut down. So I think that. Um, after that, I saw a big bump. I saw a big bump of people saying, oh, uh, Jesse Ventura was on that show, right? You know, I'll check out all their other episodes in that, right? Um, but like I say, now you can go to my website and see a list of uh, scheduled guests. And you can see all the people over the years I've had on, but I just can't keep all those up for free. Um, yeah. So I keep, I think, two two years of, you know, like whatever it is, like 23, 2019, 22, I mean, and 2021, um, those those shows are up for free, and then if you like it, you could find. Plus, I have a few bundles. I have some bundles with with um, Jim Douglas. Jim Douglas is a famous author, and he might have been on. But his book, his book, uh, JFK and the Unspeakable. Yeah, uh, I, I was one of the first people that had him on as well, and I thought his book was so important that he had six big chapters, and I had him on six weeks in a row, to just one week at a time, to talk about that chapter. Oh and, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and so if you go to my direct download section, you you can get that there. And you know, yeah, like I don't know, I William gonna, Pepper and people. Yeah, no, I was going to have you uh, uh, plug every every possible thing, um, so people can get uh, all this wealth of uh, knowledge and and things that you were able to put together over the years. But uh, before we uh, go, I just wanted to ask one other other thing about your music. Um. Were, are you currently putting out, and forgive me if, because uh, I don't know, but are you currently putting out, uh, creating music and putting music out right now, or? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, would I, you like I, to just say a couple things about that, because I, I was fascinated by that, too. Okay, well, quickly, the name of my studio is called Fiasco Brothers. So if you go oh, to fiascobro.com, uh, you'll go to the main page, and you can there's a picture of a camera there, and it'll say videos by Len. Yeah. And so, uh, once a year we've been doing Led Zeppelin songs. I did a medley of the, the album Physical Graffiti and we did Carousel Alhambra where we actually built the bar, which is, uh, it, it oh, doesn't wow. really exist. They just built that for the, um, for the album cover for Into the Outdoor. So I, I do many That's videos awesome. for, for people over the years. I don't post them all there. But yeah. some of my uh, more favorite videos and maybe even short little movies or little documentaries are at that uh, video page. So if you go to fiascobro.com and you see the picture of a camera, videos by Len, click on that, you can see that. So, and yeah, otherwise, that's, that's uh, awesome. I have a, a Facebook page, just Len Osanic Personal, and you can just uh, click on that and, and I usually post what kind of um, music videos. But you know, not many of them are political. I mean, yeah, you know, no, that's why I wanted to show people another side to Leno Sanic, um, uh, because I wasn't aware for a long time. I have been in the year since, but have you, did you at one point ever get into like the, uh, the grunge music or even the, I don't know if you're into heavy metal from back in the eighties, like Metallica or things like that or? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I love all music because I record all kinds of, you know, uh, when people come to the studio, they could be yeah. a Celt Celtic band or, uh, you know, um, heavy metal or a lot of black metal or, yeah, um, yeah, I know. I've, I've been doing that is. for, for 40, <laughs> 43 years or maybe 44. I don't know. God, 1978 is when I started, but I recorded hundreds or thousands of bands. So, oh, wow. um, but I, I do my own original music and, um, um, I've got a little, um, acoustic trio going and I, I also play in an AC, a DC cover band. So oh, I do just, you? What is that yeah, called? It's called ACBC. <laughs> I'm from British Columbia, right? Yeah. yeah. So, it's great. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, I can't tell you what. I'll send you a link. and you. Yes, please. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, okay. Sure. Have you, have you ever came across a, a guy named um, Nardwar? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's from Vancouver. Okay. Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's he's uh, something else. I'll tell you. <laughs> But yeah, and, uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he yeah. Was, uh, I, I, there's nothing else you have to kind of experience. No, yeah, he, he calls himself the human serviette. I, I think. I was going to say that, but yeah, yeah, yeah like goodness. <laughs> that, so that might be um, an explanation too, but uh, I don't think we got time for that. But uh, yeah. 
But yeah, no, but anyway, we got about four minutes, so could you, uh, just for everyone listening, just tell us where we can find you and all, all your links and everything, because this is very important work, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Okay. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I run Prouty.org, which is the Colonel Prouty reference site, and that is, uh, well, he was alive. Um, I... I thought, oh, Fletcher, we could be interactive. Can people write letters to you? And he said, great. So I got people writing letters. He'd write an answer, and I posted on the web. So, of course, when he passed away, that ended. But uh, you can find a fair bit about Fletcher Prouty at Prouty.org. And because there was some, I had some problems with Wikipedia uh, on the macadams types and all that that, uh, that wanted to just call Fletcher a crackpot, uh I had to start, I started another page, I started my own, it's called Prodipedia. So, I'll send you a link for these, but I run Prodipedia, (laughs) which is just like a Wikipedia page, but it's just the truth about Fletcher, right? Um, Now I run Black Op Radio, and and I I don't know if I was saying this, that um, after I did a few radio shows with Fletcher, uh, to promote the CD-ROM and things like that, um, I was just appalled uh, at, at the people, you know, uh, hadn't read the book or seen the film or didn't know anything, but yet they booked this guy on. So I thought I can do a better job than that. And um, I guess the story was that I had, at my recording studio found how easy it was that I could stream live and store yeah. archive shows. I started that for Black Op Radio. So and that's, that's awesome. I the first shows are on uh, year 2000. So at blackopradio.com and proudy.org. And then I have a... Uh, uh, personal well, there's a there's a page on Facebook for Black Op Radio, yes. and there's also one for Len Osanic, and um, I'm trying to think, what am I leaving out? Your uh, music, uh, music again, because I think unfortunately uh, I, I think I talked over you. Uh, right. Okay. So, the recording studio that I uh, own is called FiascoBro.com. That's great. And uh, um, we have a Facebook page for that too, and, uh, and there's a few other bands. I'll send you a couple links for right. Yes, please do so. And do you have any upcoming plans for um, the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's assassination? Well, offhand, I really enjoyed the year uh, 2013 when I went to Pittsburgh to uh, go to the uh, Cyril Wecht convention. And it was well worth it. And um, I probably will be doing that. I haven't made my mind up. I would probably be going to that. I'm not sure exactly what Cyril has announced, but his son, Ben Wecht, is organizing something. And all I can say is that uh, I can speak highly of their previous um, efforts. And I met researchers from all over the world there. And uh, it just uh, go- going to Dealey Plaza never really intrigued me that much. Oh, um, yeah. Because yeah. of, I think, in the year 2013... The way the city reacted, they were going to shut down the plaza. There, you're going to have to apply. Homeland Security was going to have to clear you. You couldn't wear a T-shirt. That it was like I remember that. Yeah, doing everything they can to dissuade anybody, uh, and you're not allowed to talk about conspiracy. So it's like, why should I give my tourism dollar to the city of Dallas? They were gonna block, yeah, they were going to block. Uh, they were going to basically block off the uh, grassy knoll area. All these ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, things. which they did. They did. I know. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I. You have some links about me and um, and Black Op Radio and Prouty.org, and uh, I can send you anything else by email. Yes, but, please, uh, please do so. And uh, it's been an honor. And uh, once again, I I apologize about the Black Op. Uh, radio thing. I honestly, I lost. Oh no, no, you're not the only one. I'll be okay. You know. All right. <laughs> and I can't wait. To, I hope you'll come back um, at some sure. point because uh, no, I do have a lot of other things that I'd like to talk to you about. Um, and it, like I said, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on. And till we till we speak again. Okay. Yeah. Just send me an email. And uh, thanks very much for Chuck for hosting this for you for uh, setting us up. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, you have a good night. All right. right. Thanks. Bye-bye. You are listening to Get Mad with Chris Graves. WallStreetWindow.com Gold. Silver. The stock market. WallStreetWindow.com 
Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. You are listening to Get Mad with Chris Graves. Be heard on Get Mad or any other show on Ocelli.com radio. For as little as $50 a month, you can buy an ad for your business, podcast, book, or any message you want heard on one or more of the Ocelli.com shows. To find out more, contact ads at Ocelli.com. That's A-D-S at Ocelli.com. Be heard with us. Revelation through conversation.